Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playing and slaying. From the BOD Studios, it's playing and slaying. I'm Josh the Truebeard. Troy the Bodfather. And I'm Ty the Golden Voice. You are the Golden Voice. Oh, thanks, man. So uh, we've got an exciting episode one here for all of our wonderful listeners. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk about a couple of uh, really exciting things in the hobby gaming industry and um, upcoming convention. First and foremost, Adepticon, right around the corner at the time of recording, yep. <laughs> uh, just a couple weeks. Super excited. Yeah, the hobby struggle is real. <laughs> oh, man. It's um, it's going to be a lot of late nights, I, I hope. Um, I hope I have my job after Adepticon from all these late nights. I'm coming into work like a, a zombie. <laughs> yeah, when you're painting till 2, snooze until 6 rolling the work and yeah. then i'm looking like when can i roll out because i need to start painting again <laughs> at five so it's like <laughs> um so definitely we're going to hit adepticon the event itself um coming up march 22nd through the 26th in uh uh schaumburg these days so um that's exciting also uh recently we had brian nairo from anvil games in studio uh, for this special premiere episode. So we sit down with Brian and talk about Anvil 8 Games, talk about what they're doing at Adepticon and um, what what's coming from them in the future. Uh, we also, with the, the new show, have a segment that we're, we're uh, very excited to, to go over. It's the um, Play It or Slay It, uh, where we will determine if it's playable or slayable. So should be a fun time. <laughs> uh Troy, I'm excited. Yeah, I mean it's, it's exciting. awesome. Yeah. I'm so excited. Uh this is gonna be a great show tonight. The other very important news for all of our listeners to the new show is where you can find us. Um if you're still <laughs> listening to the Basement of Death's other show feed uh for games, booze, and the art of, we will continue to release a few of the episodes there. Um, but we would also like you to find Playin' and Slayin' on uh, iTunes. We'll have the new feed set up and, and out there. Hopefully. Or wherever you get your podcast. Or wherever you get your podcast, yeah. podcast. that's right. We'll have it on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, the website, wherever you get it. And again, if you can give us a review, good, bad, otherwise, okay, only good. That always <laughs> helps. That helps people find us, helps it show up better in iTunes and other search engines. So, yeah, cool. definitely, definitely. Um, we're also on, on Twitter, at Playin' Slayin' Show. That's at P-L-A-Y-N-S-L-A-Y-N Show. 
and we'll also have a Facebook uh, page up and ready to to be found. So um, very exciting, but thank you for listening, and we will we will dive right in. I've always been told, gentlemen, that when you're playing in slain, it's very important to stay hydrated. Uh, and a, a big part of what we do in the basement of death is the drinking that accompanies the gaming. Indeed. Josh, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I went back to my roots, drinking a, pla- a Pabst Blue Ribbon, you know, because it, it's a tall boy, so it's it's okay. I like it. It's good. Yeah? Can you talk a little bit about the, the hop-forward taste or the... Uh, the uh, brewing process and how it enhanced that PBR. It, it's it's a Pabst. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something. I think they're going to start um, brewing at the the old facility. Oh, really? Bring it. I don't even. Where in the heck is that brewed now? I no idea. I can I can look on the can. Uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It says still yeah. brewed there, huh? Okay. I don't know if I believe them, but well, I don't know. They have that big, it's kind of like a restaurant venue space mm-hmm. and um, brewery and they're going to start doing some production down there. So that's cool. exciting. Yeah. Troy, what are you drinking? I have the house cocktail, Van Gogh vodka, acai blueberry with the wonderful ultra zero white monster. It's excellent for people who maybe don't know what the recipe is, but classic here <laughs> definitely one of one of uh, our favorites i think i had a few of those the other night uh, <laughs> tyson what do you got so i'm i'm uh, drinking a, a relatively new beer out of good city brewing company here in milwaukee it's their motto mosaic pale ale um it's it's really really good pale ale the uh, mosaic hops are the only hops used has a kind of a not citrus but more tropical fruit a little sweeter in that real pine uh hop flavor comes comes over that it smells really good it's um it's like taking a walk outside in the woods on a a cool spring day that's what it smells like it's beautiful yeah poetic tearing up (laughs) (laughs) you know we've been playing games like we do we are gamers we are gamers uh getting ready for adepticon tyson You've been playing a little Age of Sigmar with your brother? Uh, Tom Tom and I played a, a couple games now. Um, just practice games, going through the pitch battle scenarios in the General's Handbook. Um, testing out our lists, tweaking them um, final times before before the tournament. So I think we have list lock now that we're <laughs> less than 20 days out. And then we also had a chance to play a team game. Um, with our team tournament list against Troy and 2,000 points of his Sylvaneth. Yeah, I was a team with myself. <laughs> Army of one. <laughs> but yeah, it gave me a chance to get my 2,000 points of my Sylvaneth out there and and uh, run away from Ty and try and kill Tom's miniatures. That's That was my goal. That's kind of what happened. I made one big stab at the end. Didn't quite pay off, but those are dice, so... Yeah, it was it was a fun game. It was nice to to get the turn yeah. the team tournament list out on the table, um, and we'll we'll continue trying to get some practice games in um, before the tournament because that's that's going to be a crazy few days. Uh, we'll talk a lot about that in the Adepticon segment, but I think three days of tournament gaming. So yeah. it'll be good. Well, yeah, you guys might be tired of Age of Sigmar for a little while after that, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we we could we could burn out, um, but it'll come back. It'll come back. 
And then Troy was was fun the other night. We went down to the Great Lakes Distillery, um, downtown Milwaukee, for the Milwaukee Company of Gamers Board Games with Beverages, um, an event that they had done last, it had been the last Friday of every month for a while. And after a few months hiatus, it came back on a Wednesday night, which was kind of nice, middle of the week, to get some gaming in. And we sat down and played Ethereum, small small skirmish game we set up. And then what else did we play? We played Tiny Epic Western. That's right, with uh, with a friend of the show, Paul. Had a, had a lot of fun. I think it was his first time playing, and he... He managed to squeak out yeah, that Yeah, actually, way he he won by two yeah, points. I think over you time. Guys, you guys ganged up on me and shut me out in that turn, uh, and then I couldn't recover from there. I don't think we had anything to do with it. I believe the game itself reached out and said, uh, "I think Ty, you're a little too far ahead. We're gonna, I'm gonna pull a really good poker hand and keep you from scoring any points for this turn." Any. I got to- <laughs> shut out. Three workers placed. Three of my posse placed. Nothing. No return. That's rough. Yeah, it was funny, though, because at that point, because both Paul and I were like, oh, Ty's kind of got ahead. He's running it on pretty good. He had a good, he had picked up a couple more buildings than us. And, and then all of a sudden, yeah, the game literally reached out and evened things up a little bit. Um, and then uh, I was close, but then Paul made a good run to, to pull it out at the end. But I, I really, li- I mean, I'm, I'm liking that game. That's, at the moment, that's probably my favorite of the Tiny Epic ones. Again, just really aesthetically looks really cool on the table. We had a couple of people. Again, that's what's fun with playing it at a, an event like that. People can walk by, talk. I think it, it has a pretty cool presence. And then just in terms of, I mean, pretty fast play has kind of a set term limit. You get through it, but it's pretty, you know, it's got a lot of depth to it. Um, and a little bit of randomness is what bit tie in the ass, right? So, yeah, it, it hit me hard. Um, what, what else have we been playing, gentlemen? We recently had a, a fun drinking slash gaming slash recording night yeah with with brian we played a little frontline no comrades that was pretty fun you know it's always neat to play uh, a game with the the game designer right yeah one (laughs) one of the designers and it was was not lost on me that uh you know if we had any rules questions we could just turn to brian and go hey uh how does this work (laughs) yeah and as as the the drinks continued to go it was a good call to play that game and introduce i i know tom had played it before uh danny was along so we had six six guys playing it was a good good number to sit down and a good environment to get that game played in absolutely yeah um i think we we may have tried something else tonight but i i don't think that (laughs) went very well (laughs) Well, Um, yeah it it went it it went on and on on and on but None of us committed to his. <laughs> we were just like talking and drinking instead of actually playing. Yeah, so. yeah. I think the lesson learned is you don't pull out kind of a hard euro or a deep euro when you're I how many when you're half a dozen drinks into the night and uh, yeah. So a little recommendation from from us to uh, to our listeners: after six drinks, don't try scythe. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with six players. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't yeah. scythe and drive. Or don't, no, wait, don't, no, don't, don't drink, drink and scythe. Drive. Don't scythe and drink. <laughs> yeah. Or wait. Yeah. Wait, it's got to be your bull. Your, your scythe. Yeah, wait. Your <laughs> you, farm field. You got the candy show. Troy's Mac. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, Troy, I assume you have continued your workplace gaming. Yep. Uh, so a week or so ago, we've got uh, the Heroes of the Aturi Cluster, which is the cooperative 
campaign rules rule set for x-wing out which is which is a lot of fun at work i mean so you got a lot of newbies people that don't play a lot so it's kind of fun to sit taking x-wing which is a you know competitive two-player game that rule set is really solid the ai that that the imperial ships fly into is really works well um and so it's fun and we get you probably can do a scenario and it's probably about 90 minutes or so we usually don't get through a whole scenario in an hour but it's a it's a fun kind of a little bit of team building and people love you know think about star wars right everybody kind of understands star wars like star wars so we'll get a lot of casual kind of gamers to kind of get into it and and a couple of people actually bought into x-wing just because they were exposed to it there so it's pretty cool and i think it i think it was a couple of years i think it came out a year or so ago but still real fresh still fun to fun to play in between gaming nights, uh, with Adepteon right around the corner, there's been a lot of hobbying going on. I think for all parties involved, um, it's been the hobby life more than the gaming life for the last several weeks. Mm-hmm. I know uh, myself, I since I finally locked in my list for the, the tournament, I now have a, a target of what I need to paint. Um, and w- one of the fun things that I've had recently is I have 30 Savage Orcs in my, my destruction list for Age of Sigmar. Um, and the, the, the theme I've been going with for my Beast Claw Raiders is the frozen tundra, frost, snow. So Savage Orcs are traditionally jungle and tropical mm-hmm. environs and wearing loincloths and bone armor you know, pieces. So trying to find a way to make them look frosty <laughs> has been um, a hobby challenge. So I'm doing some stuff with um, you know, white, real light blue and white dry brushing over the orc green skin. So they're looking like they're kind of wearing war paint or camouflage to the snow. Uh, and I've had a lot of fun painting them up instead of bone and stone weapons. I've been doing the, um, Warhammer TV. Duncan did a quick frost weapon video, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, a white base coat, a blue wash. And then your, your green stuffing, um, for coats for all of them, right? And putting no, those on each model. Man, they're, like, they're, sa- they're savage orcs. No, uh, scarves? A green stuffing scarves? Uh, each of them should get a scarf, I think. Little hats, maybe? Little hats, maybe? Hat. Yeah, keep yeah. the orc head yeah. warm. Some, some <laughs> mittens, mittens yeah. over, their, uh, <laughs> over their orcish hands. I think there's probably a, a class at Adepticon you could take about there, how to do green stuff there, mittens. There for probably orcs. is, but sadly I have 15 days left to paint, so... It's been a really cool time, though, trying to unite these factions to get a common theme because I want them to look like one army and one uh, consistent theme. Um, so that's that's where a lot of my my painting focus has been. Yeah, and they're looking pretty good. I mean, you had, you had tweeted out I think when you and Tom were playing a game, and it was cool to see a bunch of painted miniatures all on the table for Age of Sigmar uh, out there out there fighting. And they're looking pretty good. So it'll be it'll be. I'm interested to see what they look like when you have the. The yeah, final once, army with them based and everything else. Once out I get my end. basing done and, and the last touches, and I'm, I'm trying to get everything to that tabletop standard. Some have gone well beyond, um, and, and now it's getting everything else caught up. So that's that's the hobby struggle. Cool. So I've been the same thing, knee deep or head deep. I don't know, um, two a.m. deep in a lot of the <laughs> uh, painting stuff. So a lot of it's just getting the space Hulk stuff together. Um, I am doing a couple. We're going to talk about. It. I'm doing a couple 40k tournaments, but. Using most stuff I have prepared there, I will have to do a little bit of touch up, but I haven't even thought about that yet, so I still have a week or so to figure that out. Um, <laughs> but basically, it'll be, we're, I'm painting a whole bunch of the new Gene Steeler called hybrids. Um, I think I have about two dozen or more 
So that's just assembly line, go through. And I'm like, I think I'm doing it pretty simply, but as I'm as I'm timing myself, it's like a half hour to do a pass across every <laughs> like, okay, yeah. now we're gonna do swords. And you're like, where did the forty five minutes go? I'm like, I'm only sp- <laughs> I feel like I'm only spending thirty seconds in each one. But doing that so it once you get him done as so i got i'm almost done with my second set of uh, a dozen of those guys so should have enough to i think that won't be enough for the scenario uh still have some work to do on just finishing up the the new scenario we're doing for space hulk so i'm john's been working on doing his uh he's really good at the kind of the card plastic card construction stuff so he's been building a few you know gates and doors and little things that we need so he's been putting that together and i think i'm going to use him he's actually assembling a few more hybrids just so we make sure we have enough so been uh doling that out there so so that's really i think we're in good shape i always say i'm not gonna wait till the last minute to do this stuff but this year i really i, I think a uh, whole sylvaneth army got in front of between <laughs> me and <laughs> between me and working on the space Hulk stuff this year i was said i'll work on around christmas and i instead i ended up assembling a whole tree army but it was, it was worth it and then uh josh i've i've seen a few uh text messages recently with um some painted models looks like you're working on something new yeah so <clears throat> I, I i started with uh a sigmar corn army and i i was expecting it to be a lower model count more powerful stuff and it's really more of a horde-type army. And I just didn't do enough research before I started buying a whole bunch of plastic crack, right? So um, the, the, the style army I like to play was actually what Ty is playing. And I kept like trying to tweak my corn to, okay, how do I make them competitive against like a Ty army or a Tommy army or a Sylvaneth army like Troy's got? And it was just... I was coming up with nothing, so I, I decided, why am I trying to fight against this stuff? I, why don't I start working towards... So I, I ended up buying the, uh, what is the Icewing Assault? The Icewing Assault kind yeah. of army box for the Beast Claw Raiders. For the Beast Claw Raiders, because I, I really like what Ty's got put together. Um, and so, yeah, I've been painting that up, and I started with... Uh, uh, p- Painting-wise... I started with um, the uh, Frost Sabers and the Hunter because painting-wise, they seem like the least daunting to <laughs> to tackle at first, and then I can kind of get some um, some stuff down. So, yeah, no, I I have those ones down, and I have base coats, and it's, the other ones started. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, How good are those box sets from GW, right? So I mean, cool. Like, Great they got value, so many, man. yeah. And, um, and and really like I could see myself using all of all of those in in different situ- like the Yetis maybe not but I really like throw like, throw the Mornfangs out. <laughs> you keep saying that, yeah. It, throw them out. Um, I've seen a couple lists where they're okay, but no, they, they you don't keep perform. Them, throw you, them out. All right. Don't waste your time. I, I might paint them anyway, just because they look cool. Yeah, I mean, go for it. Just um, throw them away. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about how good the models are, Ty. It's how they look. Yeah. Oh, it's not. The Yetis are going to be really fun yeah. to paint too. I have to take my my comp hat off, my yep. meta hat off. Right. You're, put on my hobby hat. Hobby hat. Be a fluff gamer. Come on. Nar- narrative. Narrative. Please. Sorry, you're right. Narrative gamer. Yeah. Um, narrative's fun. I'm excited. There's a narrative event in Madison uh, coming up in June that I, I guarantee I'm going to go to. 
um, some of those guys from Mortal Realms, I think, mm-hmm. are helping to organize uh, one up there. So, yeah, sorry, sorry, that was a, a long-winded answer to say uh, I started a Beast Claw Raiders army. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just happy you're you're assembling, painting. You know, the the hobby is alive in your house. That's that's what needs it's, to happen. It's fun. Yep. Because you got to keep that beard. Yep. Yeah. The 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 goal was I had to have a thousand points of an army. It, we didn't really specify what type of army. So any army. Yep. I'm I'm actually motivated to paint these because they're competitive. So very cool. Um, between all of our hobbying and gaming, I still have found a way to uh, sink money and time in the <laughs> black hole of Kickstarter. And uh, my acquisition disorder. So um, I'd been tracking Rodney Thompson, uh, Scratchpad Publishing. He started up Dusk City Outlaws, a new uh, role-playing game that's all about a fantasy city where there's, I think, eight crime families or cartels um, that the players make up. And each, each scenario is a heist or some kind of con inspired uh, a lot by a lot of scott lynch uh lies of Locke lamar um and that genre of fantasy and i've been looking at it it got funded i'm like great now i don't feel like i have to pledge anything because it's funded um and the night before the kickstarter ended at around midnight i saw 12 hours to go some cool stretch goals <laughs> scott lynch is doing a scenario saladin ahmed the author um a couple other really really popular famous authors game designers are writing scenarios for the kickstarter exclusives um i said no i I didn't do it i didn't pledge the 60 dollars or whatever for the game and then i'm i'm eating my lunch at at work and it's a little before noon it's like 10 to noon and i go look again at the kickstarter and i'm like okay two minutes left to go i click back or play you know i i do it and i went all in the the deluxe edition so i'd put it off for a month 40 days of this kickstarter campaign and i i just went all in 130 floodgates break and it's all over yeah i I think i got a text saying yeah i've been holding out on this kickstarter and then all of a sudden i decide two minutes before deluxe edition clack (laughs) so so my acquisition disorder um definitely kicked in flared up whatever you want to call it and uh, i should have dusk city outlaws sometime at the end of this year and it it, why i got it is it looks like it's going to be a great one-shot rpg Mm -hmm. game um that you could play with a a group that's not familiar with the rules and teach them enough it it has a a really interesting kind of story plot device um with the dice and also basic skills and characters so cool that sounds awesome so if when this comes out, odds are most everybody who's listening has already pledged to Rising Sun, but we thought we'd just plug it because by this time, when this comes out, I'm sure that all three of us will also have pledged Max on Rising Sun, which is the new Cool Mini or Not, Eric Lang game, kind of spiritual successor to Blood Rage. I think that's all we need to say. Yeah, it, that <laughs> Kickstarter, I'm itching. Like my... My finger is itching on the the you know the mouse waiting to click to pledge it and then throw money at it. It looks pretty cool. Um, and then also coming to Kickstarter. By the time you're listening, it'll be up for a while. A uh, Wisconsin game designer new game coming out called Hexplore It. I think the Valley of the Dead King. Um, customizable hero building adventure game. Um, 
exploreit.com. Uh, their Kickstarter will be live, but definitely check it out. It should be. Yeah, and sometime in March. So it could either, it doesn't have an exact date yet, but we know it'll go live. Some, it's supposed to go live sometime in March. So we looked at it a little bit. We haven't played it. He reached out to us and we did look at it a little bit. Um, and we're hoping to get a chance maybe to play a prototype or something and uh, and get back to everybody on it, on how it looks. Definitely the graphic design looks really good. Um, so it looks like it's, you know, unlike uh, some other Kickstarter games, which are kind of maybe half-baked, this one really looks like it's kind of like he's been working on it for years, it sounds like. It looks like it's really ready to, to kind of go. So it'll be interesting to see how it does and, and when it gets released. So we'll, more to come on that one, probably. All right. So tonight we've got Brian Nairo from Anvil 8 Games in studio in front of a live studio audience with us um, on Playing and Slaying. So, Brian, welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a good time. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been drinking for eight hours. And, uh, <laughs> I think we're ready to go. If I remember correctly, the first time I ever met you, Ty, I said, I've never had a bad time in Milwaukee. And it's still true. It holds true to this day. Good thing you've only been here three times. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Waukesha is not Milwaukee. No. Suburb. Near suburb. But uh, we're we're definitely glad to have you. And uh, looking forward to talking about Anvil Games, Ethereum, um, and also Adepticon right here on the horizon. So Coming up really quick. Oh, right around the corner. Hope everyone has their army painted and their events ready to go. (laughs) No. I'm getting there. (laughs) um so brian we'll we'll kick it off to you first just tell us a little bit about anvil games um your collective there the guys how you came together and your origin story yeah i mean uh where to start really uh there's four of us in the collective the anvil games collective Uh, it's myself chris tavanati will conway and matt trottier and uh we're we're just a bunch of guys that kind of start out like gamers do you know like um um, the the very very beginning of the story was um, I uh, started a blog <laughs> as you do uh, after my first son was born and and was trying to find a way to stay connected to the hobby and uh, the blog led to introductions to um, Adepticon Adepticon led to introductions to a game company a game company led me to believe that I could start my own company and and. Uh, called in Chris Tavanati and we kind of assembled the, the, the team, you know, and uh, built a company out of it. So that's, it's, I wish it was more glamorous and sexy than that. <laughs> it actually started as four guys in a basement, you know, yeah, like, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. And, and I mean, we kind of met you kind of in the middle of that journey. I think Adepticon, well, I don't know how many years ago it was. Yeah, probably um, earlier on. It was before yeah. the game company started, yep. right? It was when I was still doing the, uh, a lot of the, uh, kill team kind of yeah, stuff. I think it was yeah, when yeah. we, yeah, we kind of hooked up with you and, and met you down there and, uh, Again, in Gentleman's One, right? Was the bring yeah. back the old? I don't the know blog. if you're trying to hide the old blog, but that was that. There was some cool yeah. stuff on there. It was, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it feels like a very long time ago, but yeah, yeah. I, w- I was still playing a lot of different games back then that I'm probably not have as much time for now. But, um, <laughs> I loved it. I, the, the Gentleman's One stuff that that, that blog, uh, which probably hasn't been posted in like three years at least, I think, but. Um, that was tons of fun. Absolutely like brilliant. And and getting to go to Adepticon and, and kind of build the skirmish game, the what was it called? The uh 
kill zone. Kill, kill, yeah, special kill, special operations kill zone. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was really cool how that that took a life of its own. I think was it Big Jim out west. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, couple different guys that contributed a lot to that and then the event at adepticon where where troy and i first met you yep. and then now some of those boards live on in uh, the basement of death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there are some days where i thought like maybe i could have just stopped there like i could just i could just built like two by two tables and you know but uh that could have been the company yeah or, 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 or the, you know so i did in my spare time sure <laughs> Um, so I think it's, you know, it's a good segue Adepticon kind of the birthplace of Ethereum where you guys were first doing your Kickstarter. Um, what, what is that convention kind of represent for you guys? And you go back annually. Um, and, and how does that compare to some of the other convention scenes and, and things you've done since then, big or small Gen Con versus Nexus here in Milwaukee or, yeah, or yeah. other places? That's yeah, that's great. I mean, like the, the, um, so yeah, Nexus is kind of smaller. Like Gen Con is massive, you know, and it's it's cool to kind of be at both things, you know, in in different ways. I mean, they've got different things that they uh, do well. I mean, Nexus is amazing because I could sit with you guys and you know have a proper <laughs> conversation in the middle of the afternoon. Whereas Gen Con is like boom, 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 boom. There's everything's so intense and it's so big. Uh, Chris Tavanati always refers to Adepticon as our home ice. Which, uh, you know, hockey reference, obviously. A little bit, yeah. yeah. You guys and are hockey fans. Absolutely. Yeah. Always Blackhawks? Always Blackhawks, okay. yeah. <laughs> Penguins sometimes. I got some family in Pittsburgh, but it's it's really the Hawks. <laughs> um, but uh, we do think of Adepticon as our home ice. Like, we do think of it as, like, our, our home, our origin. It's, it's, you know, kind of what we grew up with, I suppose. Um we got a really, really kind of soft spot in our heart for Adepticon, and I don't, I don't see us ever doing. <laughs> well, they were nice enough to move uh, the convention from Lombard, which was like forty-five minutes away from my house, to Schaumburg, which is like fifteen, maybe ten. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was that was all for you, right? Yeah, they were yeah, like, yeah. Brian, how can we make this more convenient? And, yeah, I said, I said, thanks, guys. That's really, that's really good. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so we. But it is. I mean, it is our home eyes, and we. It, uh, it feels like home to us every time we're there, and like, um, you know, we know so many people there, and and I don't know. It, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a weird setup in that in that like for example, we go to Gen Con, we meet guys from like Germany, and we meet people that you know have played Ethereum from Sweden, whatever. Uh, whereas Adepticon just feels like cozy. I don't know. It's like mm-hmm. a warm. It's like a warm blanket, you know, like fuzzy pajamas or something like that. I guess. Yeah, kind of that comfort at home. I'm, I'm going to wipe the tear off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I mean, we've talked about that too at Adepticon. It really still is, even though it's. I mean, I think they just said they hit three thousand attendees, you know, a registered attendees. Yeah, at this pre, point. pre-purchase, pre-purchase, like pre-registered, which is mm-hmm. which is crazy. Um, but it still feels very small. Like there's so you the people. You get there, and there's all the, the social aspect of the mm-hmm. people you only see once a year, mm-hmm. people you talk and meet, and you know people we met like you guys, and 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 as I've run games over the years, people that come back year after year, and just kind of that. So yeah, hopefully Adepticon never quite loses that, and it really has that kind of small feel in kind of now a really you know mid-sized convention. It, yeah, it has grown tons. I mean, they've they've actually doubled their exhibitor mm-hmm. space in the last year. So I mean that's that's nuts. Yeah, really, when the, you think the about the footprint it. in that space for the exhibit hall and the vendor side of things um, is is growing exponentially. 
Yeah. I, I kind of remember fondly like the days of actually speaking of like special yeah. operations kill zone when we were playing like in a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was, like, there was like a wedding that happened yeah. like, yep. right yeah. next to it. In the Harry Carey ballroom. And like, I remember coming down the next day and all the tables were set up and everything like that. And there was like, um, you know, champagne glasses sitting in the middle yeah, of like, <laughs> the table because the wedding reception had been there. And I'm sure they were, they came in, they were like, what the, you know, it's yeah. just happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I can only imagine what the photos yeah. from that wedding were like. <laughs> Hopefully a Space Marine cosplayer walked through. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so with Adepticon right on the horizon, Brian, anything that Anvilate is is going to be doing at Adepticon, running any events, what's your booth going to have, Any anything that the fans should come down and see? We've got a lot going on. We've got tons, actually. And um, I know that's the thing you're supposed to say, but it's absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> it has the benefit of being perfectly true. Um We've we've got a, a brand new faction coming out, Resex, which is actually um, my favorite. And I, I, I know you're not supposed to have a favorite child. And I kind of think <laughs> of all of these factions as like I don't know this whole game is like my ch- children in some ways. But uh, Resex is absolutely my favorite. I'm absolutely loving it. It's cool. It's got uh, a lot of different things going on. There's a little bit of Cthulhu, a little bit of um, I don't know what you call it, steampunk. It's a, it a little bit different than the other factions we've done. You know, we've done the Axiom, which is really corporate, mm-hmm. or sorry, like a governmental kind of fascist thing. We've done Nanime, which are kind of the anarchist rioters. We've done uh, Hausakaru, which are the kind of corporate ninjas. And But this one is totally different. And uh, so they're, they're coming out. It's kind of a pre-release. We don't have the book in hand yet. But all the miniatures, all the cards and everything that you need to play the faction are going to be on, uh, you know, available. Uh, I'm mostly excited about showing off the miniatures because I think these miniatures are the best ones we've done yet. Awesome. Um, Which feels good. It feels good to be able to, you know, like I think we've hit our stride in that sense. Well, I saw a little blurb too on the Adepticon website uh, about the VIG bag having uh the the diver uh, i forget what his name is uh the, the rexcon diver. rexcon diver yeah, yeah. that lo- that model looks really cool there's a and he's a cool part of the story thank you for saying that by the way yeah, but, no problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool part of the story because um so the idea is basically there was this rexcon and they get crushed by house of Karu, which was our last release and and what happens is when when um when when they get crushed part of it the the research and development crowd gets broken away and that's the faction that exists now so he's kind of like straddling that part of the narrative so he he kind of continues the last uh, expansion into this new story and he's only available at the convention and that kind of thing mm-hmm. so that's cool that, he's 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 once we've once we're done with him at the convention he's gone uh much like the the rexcon itself so so nice. I got I got to find a guy with a VIG bag, jump him in the hallway, <laughs> take the figure, shove him in the kidney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for the kidney. Yeah. Yep. I'll do a little bit of the mask, you know, extra two dice from yeah, behind. Sure. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for Adepticon and and just to stop by the booth and and see what you guys are doing. Um, Chris will be running some events there too, right? Always, yeah, yeah. Chris is our our events guru. He, uh, so we got events on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, one to five, I think. Okay. Um, I might have that timing. Yeah. Double check, double <laughs> check. Well, good news: pre-registration's over. But <laughs> show up, get some tickets. We'll make room and for play. you. Yeah. You show up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're running that, and then we're also running uh, some demos of Frontline No Comrades as well. So. Nice. 
And Brian, you read my mind. I kind of want to segue to that that frontline no comrades. We've had a lot of fun playing that game. Um, <laughs> so and, and what's so great is it it is truly a polar opposite from Ethereum. Ethereum being a heavy strategy tactical miniature game manipulation of the board state um frontline no comrades being a party style multiple player um screw your neighbor uh card game it's kind of what, fun light you know <laughs> what um what was the kind of the impetus for that and the development process of how that came to be because I, I always wondered ethereum is this in-depth crazy strategy miniature game frontline no comrades is this crazy chaotic card game part of that is by design uh, we, part of it, uh, we, no, we always wanted to do something totally different and, and we, you know, like our goal, we, you know, we, we're not done yet. Obviously there's more games coming, uh, and we want to kind of do different things with different games. So obviously like Ethereum is a specific kind of game. It's a, a part miniatures, part board game, um, you know, and that, and that's that niche, right? So we want we wanted to build a card game that was something totally different by design. We wanted to do uh, you know something that people could play really quickly. Um, it's funny that you should say that's really light and fun because I, I think I've told you guys this before, but um, I had a uh, conversation with the artist when we were developing this, and I was showing him like this Bolshevik imagery from like 1918 and 1919 and things like that. And I said to him, and I said, uh, his name's Quan Chai Maria. I said, Quan Chai, now make that funny. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looked at me like, the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but he did. Like, yeah, he did. You, yeah, yeah, absolutely really good. you and, look at the flavor of that game and it is, it makes the Bolshevik revolution and the, the grim brutality yeah. of war fun, fun and comical and, and interesting. Yeah. It's so this was actually by design. We've spent a lot of time talking about how you do that, believe it or not. Um, but, and, and one of the cool things that, that he kind of pointed out to me and that we talked about a lot was that like, um, for example, the incoming cards, right. Don't have human beings in them. Like there's no, there's no, there's no person getting blown up. Like there might be a cat flying across the room, <laughs> which is funny, yeah. frankly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you're not, you know, like, I don't know. I, am I, I don't know. I might be pulling the curtain back a bit too far here, but, uh, you know, we talked a lot about that kind of game design stuff and like in the art, art design stuff and saying like, how are we going to keep this in a place that's not just horrific? Hey. Um, you know, the premise, <laughs> the premise of the card game is you're getting marched <laughs> off to the front line. <laughs> He says laughing uh, and you know something bad happens every turn and you're just trying to make sure that your best friends uh, your comrades get the worst of it right so it's uh, it's definitely a blast to play and we um, we get that to the table frequently when there's more than you know three or four of us um, so we've we've definitely enjoyed that I, I think it's it's a interesting discussion about the development and the you know creating the game and I kind of want to hear from your perspective when you guys are playtesting, developing, is it still gaming at its core? Are you still having fun with it, or is it has it transcended to that point of its work, its rules, its mechanics? How does no, that work? No, it's, yeah. it's still tons of fun. Actually, I was still I'm still really competitive. Like, will <clears throat> so like I'm I'm the kind of gamer that I show up and I'm thinking most about how well my models look and like you know how beautifully they're painted and things like that, and I'll and I'll pick my faction uh, purely on the basis of like, you know, like, Oh, that guy's so cool. (laughs) That model's amazing. You know? And whereas like, will, for example, will like just 
smash like he's smash mouth like he doesn't care like he's like i don't care if it's ugly i don't i'm never gonna paint a model i'm gonna put it on the table and crush you which is exactly what we wanted all the way along like we wanted a guy like will who's you know who's kind of a finesse gamer and a guy like me to show up and sit across the table from each other and both be able to enjoy ourselves you know so ethereum i think um is like that and it's got a really good comeback mechanism in the game itself without going into too much kind of detail so that you're you're not really out of the game even if you're getting smashed by a guy like will thanks will Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but uh so yeah when we play i mean we're still playing you know i'm still having a good Mm -hmm. time and but i mean there's always the conversation at the end of it like we we, we don't finish a game and say oh that was awesome like the way you kicked me in the teeth uh we finish a game and we say like what worked what didn't work you know like what do we need to improve what what should happen now you know how did that feel is this out of the you know there's a, a like this list of questions that we go through you know like is this in the fashion does it belong somewhere else like you know we we come up with tons of rules that we have to shelve you know and mm-hmm. um i think i think one of my biggest lessons from the difference of the way i used to play games and the way i play now is to have like really really thick skin you know uh, we when we play games now and like there'll, there'll be a game that you play and or a rule that you came up with and you're so proud of and you think this is great you know and you, you put it on the table and it just doesn't work you know <laughs> or like it just fails miserably and you have to be able to say like okay that that was not a great idea you know and you have to be willing to say that and it's it's really hard sometimes to actually you know say like oh this I think this is perfect for this faction you know I've, I've developed this I thought about it for a month and go oh okay well i'll just set it aside you know and vice versa it's always a really good feeling when you come up with something and everybody goes oh yeah you know that's a good win yeah 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 that's um it's excellent what you guys have done and and we've we've looked at ethereum over the the last few years you know as as a very deep strategy game that is once you start playing the mechanics just they work it's a very efficient um but yet effective rule set um, so we're, we're definitely big fans. I know Troy and I just played a, another game recently. It may have been because we knew we were going to be talking <laughs> yeah, yeah. to you. Brushing to, up a little yeah, bit. Brush <laughs> up. And, um, and Ty is the will. Like he Usually I'm playing and I get smashed. Tav mm-hmm. comes up and lights all my guys on fire. And then the mask comes and stabs him in the back. And yeah, that, that kind of describes every game I have with Ty. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk after because I got I got some of that. <laughs> you, you know the tricks, right? <laughs> um, but we've we've definitely enjoyed it over you know the last couple of years and, and looking forward to what's coming next. Um, one other thing, though, you know, as as we talk about development and the creative process, when you guys were were first formulating your plans and, and bringing this to market. I'm sure there was a number of resources where you went for advice, coaching, whatever it may be. What were, um, you know, what what was the worst piece of advice you received that you now have looking back said, "Wow, that was a terrible idea." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, there are probably a handful of worst pieces of advice. Uh, he says some of the. Oh God, I don't want to be that guy that redirects to the best piece of advice. But well, well, <laughs> if you don't have any weaknesses, go with your strength. What no, was the best piece of advice? The, no, there was plenty. That we, like we we fumbled around. Like the first couple of years, we definitely. I don't want to pretend that this didn't happen, right? Like we fumbled around. We like had to figure a few things out in terms of, you know, I mean, there's. Let me put it this way: like everybody that's every gamer that sits in a basement is thinking about the the game that they want to make, right? 
Uh, and that's a blessing and a curse. That's absolutely like, like the advice I would give, for example, to anybody that was sitting in the basement thinking I should make the game that I want to make is like, do it. Yeah, go, you know, make it. But there's a huge difference between saying like, I would love to build a game based on a D12 system. That's awesome. <laughs> and actually building a game based on a D12 system that's even approaching awesome, right? I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of dots to connect between the first thing and the next. And um, I, I, I see that a lot. Like, and, I, I, and I feel that a lot. It's actually, you know, it's really easy to sit in your basement and say, like, oh, I got ideas, you know, and to turn them into something that is actually a game. There's a whole different... Um, thing to think about once you actually build a game and you got to think about the you know the kind of co- the production value and the, how to like actually get people to kind of build different components and like there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle that come in and one of the things that you know like um, what's the expression about like uh if you like sausage, you should never see it okay. made. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Right. It's kind of a little bit like yeah. this. Like it, you know, like. I love gaming and I, I love hobbying and all that kind of stuff, but there's like this whole other mechanism that happens with it that is just a totally different kettle of fish in terms of now I got to think about how much every miniature costs and now I got to think about every, how much, like what is a base cost and how, how do I get that to somebody and like, oh, are we going to put a card in here? And they're, oh, we got to put it in plastic too? Like, oh my God, like, you know, and all, all those things, are, it's, a, it's a totally different concern, you know, and I think... I think it's beautiful and wonderful to sit in your basement and want to build something and just a really different animal to actually build a company. And so I, I, I'm glad that we came into it kind of blinkered and um, naive <laughs> <laughs> because I think we'd have been a different company otherwise. Uh, but sometimes I wish maybe sometimes we <laughs> it'd have been easier. Let me put it that way. It'd been a lot easier for us if we had a lot more business acumen. Uh, and we're thinking about how much plastic costs in the little clamshells or something like that before we ever started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I guess then, what what would be your advice um, to a budding game developer or somebody with that idea? What's the first thing you would tell them to do? <laughs> Is stop talking about building a awesome d12 game system <laughs> and build a d12 game system that works right i mean just go do it yeah, yeah i mean you have to do it you have to build it specifically and like really be able to generate um those kind of ideas i think you know and and uh you know like we have conversations even now like i think i was telling you before about the guy that <laughs> said like <laughs> who basically gave me permission <laughs> to to steal his idea of stealing a film idea that he'd watched. And he's like, you know, you remember that film? You should, you should take that and build a game off. And I was like, you, what? You know? <laughs> Did, do you actually just, like, there's no game there. Like, you know, like, how am I going to steal that from you? You just watched a film and said, that'd be cool if somebody made a game. You have a theme. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, when we first started building Ethereum, we, we had this idea about the D12, which was great. And we had we had we had like six different ideas about how the dice might work, right? And and like five of them failed. Like five of them were horrible. But we had to like get there and do it and roll it out and do the math and try it on the tabletop. You know, the first game of Ethereum we ever played, it took us a half hour to get through the first turn. <laughs> and and half hour until we said, This is terrible. Like this is really awful, you know. So we, we went back and we're like, All right, how are we gonna improve that, you know? And, awesome. And we spent 
two years doing that. And then we went to market, basically. You know, actually, then we went to Kickstarter. And a year after that, then we went to market. So that, I mean, that, that would be my advice. Is like, if you're, if you're in your basement and you're thinking about, like, building your game, like, build the game from top to bottom. Like, first thing you can do, start. Like, write down, turn one. Here's how it happens. Like, here's the turn structure. Here's what it looks like. Here's how, you know these statistics work not just saying it'll be awesome if i somebody invented a game (laughs) and take the first step (laughs) like do it yeah well uh wonderful thank you so much for joining us uh tonight to record really appreciate you being here was that a really long answer for a simple question no No, that was awesome i think it was a great answer (laughs) for a great question (laughs) (laughs) touche um But no, thank you, Brian. We really appreciate you being here, uh, taking the time. But what we would like to part with is tell us how how our fans out there and how your fans out there can connect with you guys. Um, where can we find Ethereum? How can we find Anvil 8? Uh, so we are at Anvil, A-N-V-I-L-E-I-G-H-T, Anvil8.com, uh, which is the website. And everything's there. Um I think that's probably the best way. Facebook, uh, right? Oh, yeah, that's face yeah. page. Yeah, my face. But my face. Uh, yeah. my face. Twitter. Uh, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. I'll frequently tweet at Anvilate Games. When it's like a personal, like, where are you to Brian? Yeah. Not now, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, yeah, absolutely. All that stuff. I'm, I'm terrible at social media. I should be better, but uh, I'm kind of maybe like one step past some social media stuff and i've got i've got my mind in like art direction and things like that so ask will about media and stuff like that i'll I'll email will um but adepticon you guys will be there we're at adepticon or we're at gamma adepticon we'll be at gen con we'll be at uh, nexus obviously in milwaukee we'll be at game hole in madison cool awesome we love wisconsin can you tell our beer is great yeah, <laughs> the cheese is good. Yeah, the cheese, cheese is good. good. <laughs> Women are attractive. The, the it's, are it's a good state. Yeah, <laughs> formidable curds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, thank you, Brian. Really appreciate it. Um, this was great. We'll do this again, hopefully. Sometime. Can't wait, man. Talk Thanks for having more. me. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Beautiful. Awesome. Welcome to the segment of the show where. The three of us will talk about a new or an old game, accessory, maybe even an old RPG module, Dogs in the Vineyard or Amber Diceless. Who knows? Ooh. Yeah, that could be fun. <laughs> um, and what we will do is determine if it's something that should be played, play it, or something that should be slayed, slay it. Uh, so we will pontificate about our, our choices and explain a little bit. Um, of why we think it is uh, something that should be played or slayed. And we'll start on this very first episode of the Playing and Slaying show with a game called Ethereum from Anvil 8 Games. Ethereum is a tabletop miniatures board game set in the virtual shadow of our own desperate future. You assemble your collective of hackers, agents, activists, or anarchists, and lead them on hyper-fast runs into a dangerous virtual reality. Use your cunning and bloody-minded determination to carve your place in the Ethereum. Ooh, sounds really interesting. Uh, aren't you excited to, I to am, play it? I am. There may, yeah, there may not be a lot of excitement in this first segment, since we maybe <laughs> just listened to Brian, and we, we kind of talk about Anvilate a lot. So 
I'll let you guess at what where we'll end up at the end of this of, of where we think where we stand on Ethereum and, and how it is. So yeah. <laughs> um, so so we'll start with the 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 game itself. Yeah. What do you get in the box? What you get in the box? It's it's a really cool starter set that comes in the box. Price point eighty nine dollars, and that gets you enough to to play the game. Um, it's definitely a two player game. Um, the box set contains all of the components that you need uh, to to play a complete game of Ethereum. Um, that also comes with two of the original uh, collectives. The that's what factions are referred to in Ethereum. Um, the Axiom and the uh, the Avatar Lady Mastrona, and then some of the other programs. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about. The programs and how how the miniatures work and inter- interact on the board. It also gives you um, the avatar, the mask from the Nanomai uh, collective, and some of those programs. the uh, The box has a playmat that is mouse pad material, kind of the virtual uh, quantum noise space that the world is in, and and where your schema, the board tiles, move around, um, and it forms the background. The backdrop to the board itself. Um, you also get the um, twelve double-sided schema tiles, large, medium, and small, in different. Um, diff- I, I don't know the the, the the different dimensions. Dimensions, yeah. but yeah, you kind of have large, medium, and small square um, schema tiles um, that are probably what eight, like eight, six, and four inches, maybe something like that. Don't quote me, but yeah. that's about yeah. The- go go, you know. Take a look at the game. Find the guys at Adopticon. You can see yeah. it. Um, we'll probably link, you know, a, a video or some more information to it in in the uh, show notes. Um, the other thing, you know, you get a a whole slew of cards, tokens for all the different statuses and effects. Um, Ethereum has a really cool custom dice. It's a twelve sided dice with um, different technological um, symbols. Symbols. Okay. The power symbol switches, current, and uh, yeah. the the dreaded skull. Yeah, yeah very that that <laughs> computer electronic you know theme kind of ripples through a lot of stuff. And uh, they they interact with the programs and and how the combat works in a really cool way where you're you're almost doing a matching set of icons on the dice for uh, results. Um, number of cards that support each faction. Um, and then the the greatest part about this box set is the models. There, um, it, it does take assembly. You don't get them put together out of the box. So, um, one one of the things to note about Ethereum is it's a it's a hobby um, hobby board game. Not as heavy as Starting Age of Sigmar or uh, you know another miniature game where you have sprues of plastic and dozens of pieces to make one model. But it will take some time and, and super glue on your fingertips to to get the uh, the resin together. But they're beautifully sculpted uh, miniatures. Yeah, I mean, wonderful resin miniatures. I think, it, yeah, that one thing to make clear: it is kind of that hobby board game. It's not like a cool mini or not, where it's kind of the minis out of the box. You do have to do some assembly, kind of like the older version of people played Super Dungeon Explorer. Mm-hmm. Right, that those are plastic. I think actually those miniatures weren't aren't anywhere as nice as the ones you're going to get in Ethereum. But that same idea of you have to do at least a little bit of assembly. No, nothing in terms of. I mean, I think the skill level is pretty minimal in, to putting in there. Usually, I think maybe mostly three, four pieces at the yeah, most. Most the of them are probably less than that. Four piece. And, yeah, and some are 
are just trim them off the um, the little extra resin that seems to attach itself in the production process um, without any any gluing required. Some are you know you put an arm here, or a leg there, so it's it's relatively easy. And and you don't have to paint them, but it's highly recommended. I mean you know they're they're cool models. They're really really neat looking. So. Yeah, definitely the customization of, of painting them and making them your own is, is kind of a, another cool thing about the, the hobby aspect of, of Ethereum. So in that in that starter box, the, the base game, you get all that you need to play. Um, but in addition to that, there have been some additional collectives <clears throat> released. Um, Troy, do you want to kind of go through what the, the various factions are? Sure. So the Nanome is, again, the one that's in the box, and uh, the Axum uh, are the two that are in the box. There's additional models for both of those factions that are available. Um, they basically come in like kind of like blister pack. You can buy additional uh, functions, subroutines. Um, and then we'll talk about Omni. Is it Omni programs? Omni programs, yeah. Um, which are larger scale models. Again, really cool models to, to put in there. Um, the new faction that came out, was it last year? To, uh, no, Gen Con, right? Gen Con last year, I think, House of Kuro. Um, I think it was re- released or initially they, talked they about in Adepticon. They had display at Adepticon. And, and then I, the, I picked up my um, my models at, at Gen Con. Gen Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, House of Kuro, um, which is, um, I don't know if that's the best, the best description of that. Um, Ro- robots and corporate uh, corporate entity is kind of the, the feel you get. Um, and what's really cool, each of the factions is is completely unique. Um, whereas the Nanomai are this anarchist, loose um, collective, no clear affiliation to one another, but the sim- symbol is the mask. It's the whole idea. You know, it reminds me of Anonymous and the, the hacker mm-hmm. organization. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So very loosely affiliated anarchy uh, about disrupting the the opponent they they all play to that style too where um the the nanomite definitely can interrupt and block off areas and manipulate time and space and movement to to do some things to mess with the uh, the opponent um the axiom yeah. is kind of the left of what's left of the government or the, the right the order uh, you know collective that's that's risen up uh, anything that resembles kind of what's left of, of any kind of organization or real kind of government but in that scheme, they're also maybe the oppressive government, right? Mm-hmm. Depends what side of the almost, side of the table you're on. Almost <laughs> theocrat- theocratic. Uh, you get yeah. that kind of religious overtone yeah. and that um, brainwashing and programming that they do to to bring you know nanomai um, hackers in, brainwash them and turn them into their uh, their own you know tools. Um, and then Hosekaru, we kind of went through uh, at Adepticon. They're going to have, um, you know, and, and Brian Brian talked about this in in our segment with him. Um, Res X, and they are um, they're really kind of the the divers and the explorers of the the noise. They go out there and they come on these kind of ether ships or void ships, whatever you want to call them, and arrive um, out of the noise. So they have a I hate to call it steampunk. I think that's a misnomer, mm-hmm. but you know, some some gears mm-hmm. and gadgets yeah. and <laughs> goggles, <laughs> but not not to the extent that it's that Victorian yeah, steampunk. Um, 
And, and what was oh, I'm sorry. You no, know, and say and then kind of the uh the other collective that has been kind of semi-released and it's going to be kind of its uh its own uh own collective is the the operatives which are kind of like a mercenary type group and there there's just I think a few models out for there and again I can't remember I think Brian was I think four or five. Four, yeah, and he that, was I, I think there was something he was going to talk about and he forgot to talk yeah, about when can, he was here. Kind of um, ran out of time. They're that mercenary unique. Yeah. You can interject them into other collectives or play them separate. Okay. And the really cool part is through the the web community and uh people involved with Anvil 8, some of those are um player driven, fan fan created that they've sent in and suggested, which is really neat. I think that's awesome. And there are there are still ones that haven't been designed yet. So, um, you know, some some of us may have some some ideas out there. So get with <laughs> Anvil Eight, let them know what you're thinking about. Um, but that'll that'll be really cool. The operatives. Um, one thing we didn't really talk about with uh, with Brian while the mics were live, <laughs> but afterwards is kind of that concept of the the four faction threshold. Once a game system um, hits four factions and you have that choice in the interplay between them, you've really hit that sweet spot where you are a living, breathing game system. Um, and and with that ResX coming, that puts Anvilate and, and Ethereum on the map as hitting that point where they've sustained you know en- enough to get to that point. They've grown their, their game to have this fourth faction. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that fourth faction plays with the others and what it does for the the competitive side of things and also the the narrative you know campaign driven games yeah and that's i mean that's kind of a you see in a lot of miniature games right that four factions is kind of the that's the tipping point of where you have enough you know variety that people can usually find the faction that really appeals to them and there's variety about you're not always playing the same opponent and or the same army on the other side of the opponent so yeah it's really kind of cool to see ethereum get to that level and it looks like they're going to probably go past that pretty quickly um to add some more and add more things in there um yeah so so with the the factions and, and everything in the box what ethereum at its core is is a tactical uh, miniature skirmish game it takes place on these these moving manipulated they're able to be manipulated by the the players um they, they're referred to as schema, they're the tiles, and the board can shift and, and move. So you start in one place, but you can spend a resource called RAM to move, shift, spin those around, and really change the board on the fly to, to better position your own units or position your enemy at a, at a disadvantage. Um, and I, I think that's that's one of the things that really starts to separate Ethereum from a lot of other skirmish games is yeah, that manipulation. Yeah, right. And I think that because that it's I mean kind of the core right is you you have a control panel really nice again I don't know if we mentioned it right you come you get this nice hard cardboard control panel where you lay out you get basically get a card to represent each one of your I'll call them units um, which are the the programs the av- yeah. yeah programs your avatar functions and subroutines. Um, and then so you put each of them have a space on there. Each card represents the st- stats for each of your your programs. So that's all on there. And then there's another card for each of those programs that goes into your basically activation stack. And so again, it's alternating activation, um, but you get to choose like what order you're going to activate your your programs in. So again, that like that from in terms of how you you know some strategy in terms of how yeah. am I going to activate my units. And I, and, I think that. It's also important to note it is pre-programmed because mm-hmm. you you recalibrate your deck between rounds oh. once all of your programs have acted, um, but you can't 
necessarily react right to what your opponent's done. So you've set it up in the, the best way possible that you think will will help you, but then your opponent goes and activates a different program, mm-hmm. gets in the way of something, and you're stuck drawing whatever you set up to be your, your next activation. So it combines that um, that alternating activation with that pre-programming okay. of, of your turns in advance. Yeah, and again, each... Um, each of your programs will have kind of its own, I don't know what they call exactly, points. They basically kind of have the CS, the CS um, that they can use for movement um, and different. And also they'll have powers or um, they're, they're, they're .exes, the exes so exactly that they can run, um, which are kind of their powers for each of the, the programs have. And you can choose, well, how do I want to spend it? Do I want to move so far? Do I want to do one of my EXEs to do some a different kind of action um, to do that? And then... On top of that, like Ty, you said, now you have a board that actually moves, right? <laughs> so, so I have all the, you know, even with if you think about it, without the board moving, you still had a really kind of deep skirmish game. And the thing that really puts it over the top is now my tactics are not just what can I do with this program and this to move this model from here to there. It's oh, maybe I can also manipulate the board to totally to shift things around uh, to make it. So it, there's a you know a lot of I think. Fairly straightforward, I want to say simplistic, but I mean straightforward gameplay, right there. But put all the pieces together, you really have a unique, unique experience. Yeah, and um, the board itself, you know, the tiles have different terrain, so to speak. Each square may have um, obstruction that blocks line of sight, or or be impassable. You just can't move through it. Um, and and the way that the the mat that we talked about that represents the the quantum noise behind the schema. As you're closer to that, it slows you down. If you end up yeah. off of a schema, um, you risk taking a tremendous amount of damage or being deleted entirely, losing your program um, on the roll of a dice. Um, so, so it has a very strategic and, and deep level of that that board state and, and manipulating those tiles. Um, other than that, the the theme itself on Ethereum is is what. Um, Maybe this is um, not that I've already tipped my hand uh, by how much I've been excited about this game, but the the theme itself that it captures in this this world that you live in is is falling apart around you. So you retreat to this quantum noise. You've gone to this virtual reality to to enact your programs and really take over and take control. Um, so it's this near future idea and. What's really cool is you listen to discussions about virtual reality and you see what's being done in a virtual reality space. Um, this game, you know, coming out a few years ago, oh. I can't think of any other games that capture this this piece of you know setting and narrative. Um, and it's it's a really cool. I I hate the the Matrix, but you know Gibson's Neuromancer. Um, there's some very uh, clear. Um, yeah, well, even Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Um, and, and again, not exactly, but it, it, it it's that whole idea of having this virtual world. And I think Ethereum jacks it up to another level because it's really like people have almost moved into that that virtual world full time. Um, and that's what we think when we first were introduced at the game, even before the gameplay, uh, just the the story in the background that that Brian showed us for what the setting was that was what got me right away was kind of engaged was like oh yeah. this is just a really cool background and setting for a game but it also could be a novel a book or something else like that and there's 
again, the, the rule books, the two that are out so far, um, the, basically the core Ethereum book and then how Sakuru um, both have some really nice story and narrative in there to introduce the different yeah. factions and, and the a lot world of and full page like art too, mm-hmm. which is, is really cool. There's some great art, um, full color rule book. It, it's, it's solid. There's, there's a lot of content outside of the rules and, and some of the segments of narrative that are within the book are, um, are really, really deep and set up that world even, even more to get a better understanding of it. Yeah. And you're kind of, I think the next thing we were talking about was kind of the graphic design and, and components. And it's like, that's the only thing that's like what, again, what's impressive is everything in this game is really top quality. Um, you know, we talk about the mouse pad. I think we're, you know, we're probably underselling the, just even the mouse pad board. The fact that you're getting like a 30 by 30, um, mouse pad board that's just the kind of the underlayment for the board that you're putting the schema tiles on top uh is, is pretty cool and then the schema tiles and stuff again very thick cardboard i have not had seen any problem with warping or anything like that um the art on those again high gloss um very intricate detail um that's kind of sometimes a little bit it's like the only thing that maybe a downside is something like there's art on those tiles is so intricate like sometimes you do lose like what it Oh, this is an impassable thing, or what? Like sometimes you, you, like there's so much on there. Sometimes they get a little busy, but again, there are um, icons indicate for each each square what it is. So, in the end, it's not a, a huge a huge thing. But no. yeah, it, it, attention to detail with all the components is just top notch. I mean, yeah. they did such a great job. Uh, you know, from the theme to the graphic design to the miniatures to the the, the whole thing. Like they did such a great job. Uh, they put put out a really really excellent game. So, and um, what what else is the the company itself? Anvilate, um, they they get to the cons, they interact with the players and, and the people on a level that's really cool to see. You know, at, at their booth, they take the time to show people the game, and they're they're all really passionate about um, their game, and and that that really shows. And um, some of the other players I've met, and some of the people that have been attracted to the game. You know, coming from all different gaming backgrounds, um, it, it's it's a cool community that's kind of been been forged there. And um, I guess we'll we'll head right into the the ultimate um, <laughs> uh, verdict on Ethereum. So, Josh, how about you? Um, uh, what what's the outcome? Are you going to play it or are you going to slay it, buddy? Definitely, definitely play it. it it's uh, such a cool theme and you know being kind of a tech nerd it kind of speaks to me so yeah definitely play it all right play it from josh troy i'm i don't know what you're gonna do here. you don't know what i'm gonna do here Mm-mm. um <laughs> i wish it actually would get to play ethereum more again it competes mm-hmm. in that same two-player skirmish game has a lot of competition especially with the big boys of gw and so forth like that so um, yeah, as much as we like this game, it just doesn't sit the table as much as we wish. I think it's getting to see it more and more, which is good. Um, as there's, again, having the more factions come mm-hmm. out again, that just helps feed it. Cause now, okay, oh, this is a cool faction that Ty might get incited and he's going to build something. I'm like, I'll build my little skirmish army. So I like that. Um, again, we talked about really the components and everything really make it. I think the, there's some really unique gameplay aspects here that make this really cool. Uh, the only, I think the only thing that there's maybe some room for opportunity would be to support because it is this kind of hybrid miniature board game. I think maybe a little bit more support for those maybe board game people who are coming into it who don't have the miniature background, maybe a little intimidating to them. 
Uh, but again, I think, again, they have a good community and they're there to support, but maybe some stuff on the website, just like, hey, here's how simple, how you work with resin, simple. Here's how you mm-hmm. can assemble the miniatures yeah, in some, the box. some brief directions. Brief directions, just to do, again, there's nothing hard here. I mean, I was trying to, again, Neil from work, we were talking about the game. Neil uh, from work? He, again, he's a non-miniature, so he was a little intimidated when I described it, um, but not that much. He's like, well, I'll just have to like sit with you and you can show me how hard these miniatures are i mean i take it like that so i think that's the only thing that where there's a little room for opportunity but there's nothing that can't be overcome there since so i mean i'm definitely going to play it like we've played it already so (laughs) (laughs) and um you know i i don't want to be alone in this but i'm gonna i'm gonna play it too so um i think that ethereum it it captures um the the niche in my uh my gaming problem for a a skirmish game that is really accessible um and and so far i've i've enjoyed every game i've played the the strategy that's there the um you have to be very very tactical in in your movement and and how you set up your um your activations yeah and we didn't even talk about the scenario in the book in both all the books you're basically always doing a scenario-based game. So it's not just, I'm going to kill everybody on the other side. There really is, what? how do I accomplish the mission? How do I actually win the scenario? Yeah, that, taking that, over yeah. the pylons, controlling the, the nodes, mm. um, deleting you know programs is a part of it. But mm. um, definitely has, has multiple ways to play. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to playing more of it. I know when... Um, Tom Tom hadn't really seen much of Ethereum, and he's definitely interested because it's that heads up strategy miniature game that's that's easily accessible. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to get five, six, seven models together mm-hmm. and and sit down and, and play a game. So uh, I think that is a unanimous play it for our first um, play, play it or slay it review. We'll have to we'll have to put some thumbs up on the uh, the website around it. dark future of march 2017 there is only war there is only adepticon we are probably only a week or two away from what we consider the best miniature gaming convention in the country maybe the world who knows right adepticon so adepticon we wanted to give a little bit of a, a kind of a preview. Uh, we talk about a lot, but just kind of a, a quick preview for people who want to just in the Midwest that want to stop by. We highly recommend, again, if you're anywhere in the in the greater Midwest area uh, and have any interest in miniature games at all, um, make a trip. Find a way to get over there for a day or two. Um, I've been going probably with John since the beginning. Of this. this is 15 years of Adepticon, and we've been going probably since the first uh first three or the five years that john and i used to go when they used to be in a little hotel the rose rosemont over by the airport um as they started out as just a, basically a a lot of gw games is where it started out with there was they've always been known for the the team tournament the 40k team tournament was kind of what they started it really started as hey it's a 40k team tournament and then the con built around them nowadays it's you know everything every miniature game you can think of um, is is being represented all the major ones, um, whether it's GW, Mantic, um, Guild Ball. Now Guild Ball is a huge, I think, a huge following over there, 
and the fantasy flights hoth open last year was huge the x-wing tournament um it, it continues to grow um as new tournament tournaments are announced each year the attendance numbers swell um the age mm-hmm. of sigmar tournament this year has 120 um players ready to go which for an age of sigmar event is the largest in the united states um Last year we had 47, 48, 48 people, I think, playing. Um, so tripled, you know, in, in size. Yeah, that's something about tournament and something about just where Age of Sigmar is. That's sure, it. sure. Yeah. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think, right, the, the guy's been talking about the tournaments all over the world, Age of Sigmar, right, have really mm-hmm. exploded now that the, the general handbook and things like that have come out. So, it, yeah. Um, yeah, and then the big, I mean, that was the big kind of almost a coup last year was for Fantasy Flight to put one of the major X-Wing um, qualifier events at Adepticon. So it was hundreds of players, um, of top players for, mm-hmm. for X-Wing are in there. And again, this year is the same thing. It's one of the, the major major events on, on that schedule. So it's really cool to see Fantasy Flight kind of come and support um, all the things they do. Which, again, what's interesting with Fantasy Flight is it, again, they're focusing on their miniature side of all their games. Um, even though they have a lot of board games and things like that, when they come to Adepticon, they really like to focus on X-Wing. And I'm sure we'll see a lot of Rune Wars, the new miniature game from that, yeah. that that's out there. So so it's it's definitely the mecca of miniature wargaming and tabletop gaming tournaments um, for, for the year. I think it'll be a, a really great show. The pre-registration numbers were through the roof. Through, I think they hit three thousand pre-reg about a week or so ago. So they're over three thousand. That's so crazy. It's uh, and, and they're cool. That's a great selling point too about Adepticon. If if you're at all interested, is if you're not playing in the tournaments or the doing the seminars and you just want to come check it out, free. You don't have to register. You don't have to buy a badge. You can wander the hall, wander through the different tournaments. Um, for free, which is really difficult to find in, in the convention scene these days. Yep. But cause what we know is that you're going to find something you want to play and you'll be back yep. with a badge. So yep. me. <laughs> you'll get the one day. Yep. With that. Um, and it's not all about the gaming. Uh, another, the huge presence and um, with there is a lot of the, the hobby side. So you have some of the best miniature painters in the world will be at Adepticon. Um, there's a, a long, a long, list of hobby seminars that are taught um those sell out instantly usually as fast as some of the major tournaments that are on the list when they go out there um but just me again those people are around so again if you're just there you can talk to some of these painters there's a lot of uh areas where they'll just be open i want to say not open gaming but open hobby and a lot of the painters and stuff in the, in the evenings will just find an area and they'll just hang out and they'll paint miniatures and answer questions and talk with people and just socialize and you can learn a whole lot from that um, what draws a lot of people there is the the crystal brush miniature painting competition. I believe it's a ten thousand dollar first prize. I think it's the largest cash prize uh, for miniature painting, it, at least in the states. I don't know if in the world, but it's it's a huge purse that um, is taken home by by the winner in yeah. multiple categories. Yeah, and, and usually professional painters and some of the most amazing miniatures that you ever get to see. Again, if you get to see them, you can see pictures as much as you want to be able to see one of these things in person in the case in front of you is, is just amazing. So, and um, as the con goes on, um, so get, get there Thursday. If you want to look at some of those, because like as the con goes on, uh, people just swarm to those cases and it's, it's really hard to even just 
get up to look at some of those miniatures. So, and then the vendors themselves, the the exhibition area of the show doubled in size this year. I think it's <laughs> over crazy. eighty vendors. Yep. Last year was forty some. So, you know, um, some of our friends at Anvil Eight, Fantasy Flight, Micro Art Studios. Um, I mean, Table War, Frontline Gaming, yeah. um, all the all the the major players will be in there. Yeah, I mean, in in the past, vendors was not necessarily a focus, um, but especially in the new new uh, hall that they're in, they have plenty of space. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we still have plenty of space there. <laughs> Forge World, <laughs> yeah, Forge uh, World will be there. Yep. Yep. Warlord Games is always there. It's uh, it's great, and I I'm excited to see the the new vendors. Um, mm. Yeah, because what's great about, and I'm sure we'll talk about when we come back in, in the next show, but what's interesting, it's not necessarily the major vendors. It's when you get some of these smaller miniature vendors, whether it's just a terrain, you know, whether it's, you know, laser cut terrain or some resin bases. Um, it's yeah, these last smaller year we found Elric's hobbies, yep. and they, they do some awesome work with the, the resin bases. Yeah, and I think they're doing some major. I saw that they're having some promotional stuff in there, kind of a big a big player in some stuff this year. Yeah, but it's really you discover one or two of those smaller vendors um, throughout that. And again, because it's so miniature focused, you find people that you're not going to see at a Gen Con or Origins or something else like that. So um definitely the the other you know this year what's really exciting is games workshop is sending their um their community team i think four or five they're going to be live streaming some of the the tournament top tables um and and duncan Rhodes will be doing some hobby seminars which is is really awesome um if you haven't seen any of his his videos on youtube through warhammer tv they're fantastic, almost paint by numbers. He goes through the color and how the techniques work. Um, thin your paint. Uh, th- two thin <laughs> coats, always thin your paint. Twirl your brush. Yep. Um, so very exciting. And in, in addition to just the, the Warhammer community team, um, a, a ton of other podcasters, industry, uh, game designers. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, the guys from... Um, the long war they do their doubles event um the forge narrative narrative independent characters carl and adon um it's just a cool spot to see some of these people and interact in a uh, in an environment where everybody's passionate about about the hobby about the games um i saw some of our friends from able company uh Mm -hmm. out of indianapolis uh there last year which was cool yeah because they do run a lot of flames of war stuff. right yeah, yeah, yeah we didn't mention that again flame of wars events and, and things like that so yeah again we, we talked a lot about that i mean you have the this now a pretty major convention but you still have a really cool sense of community and and again like you talked about the passion that everybody has for we're all we all love the same stuff here right and so no matter mm-hmm. where you are in the bar or the bathroom you can strike up a conversation with <laughs> well, somebody about maybe uh, not the bathroom yeah, but maybe <laughs> maybe when you're washing your hands on the way out Troy. it's poor form you gotta respect the one urinal gap so uh, yeah again it's in schaumburg illinois yeah at the renaissance uh hotel and convention center um you know if you need to get down for a day trip and your spouse or girlfriend wants to go to ikea it's a great mm-hmm. time to shoot over to the um Right across the it's right the, there the road. Yep. You're on the other yeah other side yeah. of the freeway from IKEA is a good. So drop drop the family at IKEA and come hang out at Adepticon for a few hours. Um, this year I don't know what else there there is. I mean there's so much it's it's hard to sum up in a, you know a, a preview. 
the uh, the classic Adepticon swag bag. Um, yep. Again, so if this year if, purchased, right? If you're, they, yeah, they changed the options a little bit. So again, um, if you get a chance to see what people got, and again, we will talk about it probably next time. Um, it it's, it always has been, and it, it probably still is one of the greatest values in in swag bag. You you get more this year. They created a non swag bag um, badge level for people that didn't want to. to to pay it but the money you pay for the swag bag basically you get that back probably twice in terms of the amount of free product that's available there and then they also have a big level which for sure you're getting maybe multiple times back because uh, um really it's amazing um what they're able to do and pull together from the different uh, different sponsors and people that promote in terms of giving you free free miniatures paint models whole game systems box if you're talking about the vag sometimes you'll get a whole box sets and, and some yeah. of that stuff so. yeah uh, what we didn't touch on too, Adepticon always does a a big support of a local or I, th- I think usually Chicago, Greater Chicago area charity, mm-hmm. um, and they do a, a charity raffle where mm-hmm. everything from airbrushes to games to books to fully painted, professionally painted armies are are raffled off, um, and they they sell a ton of tickets. Um, it's always been a dream of mine to win something in the charity mm-hmm. raffle, <laughs> but on their site, keep they dreaming. Have, yeah, oh. keep dreaming. Um, they have, you know, entire armies that are just beautifully painted that, um, some lucky winner gets to take home, uh, every year. Yeah, so. no, that's a good point. Yeah. It's a really good point. The, the, the charity raffle is, is really an awesome, awesome thing to throw some money at, even if you're just besides throwing money at all the stuff in the vendor hall. So <laughs> at least some of your money yeah. goes to a good cause, right? Yeah. Um, so Troy, any any you know quick quick items you want to go over that you're doing at uh, Adepticon or running or playing in? Um, so we talked about the big miniature tournaments, hobby seminars. Um, there are also board game events. There is now a, a pretty decent board game track. So for people that maybe you, you like miniatures but that's not your thing, there there's a lot of board game stuff going on there and then there's also a lot of demo events mm-hmm. um so if you wanted a lot the vendors will be demoing and have to show you their game and then there are just kind of regular um kind of events um like we're running basically our space hulk is kind of the uh the open gaming event kind of stuff so all kinds of different kind of one of you know come whether it's a narrative play kind of thing or um, kind of co-op, all kinds of different things. The Space Hulk, but there's other stuff like that around some of the fantasy battles. There's a really cool, um, uh, what's it, Titan Titan battle that they do on think Friday or Saturday Adeptus night. Titanicus, Adeptus Titanicus. Yeah. yeah, everybody brings their. Okay, everybody has these two thousand dollar toys. Um, let's come and play with them one night, right? So that's really kind of a cool thing to see. Yeah, see just play. don't don't tell your wives how expensive yeah. that Warlord <laughs> Titan was. <laughs> Um, so, so definitely some cool events. Can't wait to see what you guys have with your, your space Hulk set up this year. Um, very excited. Sold out in minutes. In minutes. That's always, so we'll see. There's always, always a couple spots. So, and we're, we're doing, so I'm excited. I don't know why, again, like I talked about and why I'm burning the midnight oil is to get the, I always kind of create a new scenario for, <laughs> for this. Cause we always think we can do something bigger, better, um, to get there. So. Um, so I mean, myself, I'm playing in uh, some of the smaller 40k uh, tournament events on kind of both ends on uh, Thursday and Sunday. Uh, we're running Space Hulk most of the days on uh, Friday and Saturday, and then I do I did sneak into one of the the Duncan Road seminars on Sunday afternoon. So that'll be a nice way to kind of kind of finish things up. 
I, I'm excited for you. I can't wait to <laughs> to see the selfie of you and Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe he'll let you record a, a message to your friends where you know he'll say, "Don't forget, thin your pants, two thin coats." So uh, twist that, your brush. Yep, twist your brush to a fine tip. <laughs> um, I want to make a hashtag thin your paint shirt. <laughs> and have you wear that to yeah. uh, to your your seminar? So um, you're doing the the gentlemen's friendly gentlemen's, yeah. So that's like a thousand point forty k tournament. Just to I just want to get some people on the table. Yeah. Not that I don't like Age, Age of Sigmar, but the real love is the grim dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Combat Patrol, right? Yeah, and then Combat Patrol. Cool, yeah. cool. Josh, have you signed up? Are you ticket purchased, or are you just going day of? Uh, currently, I'm just going day of, but I think I am going to buy... I don't know. Is it too late to buy a badge? Yes. Yes. Well, you can buy on... You can buy on site, though. Pre-registration okay. is closed, closed, but you can buy on site. I might do that, then. You will do that. I will do that, yeah. then. Um, yeah, and uh, so I, we have that bet, mm-hmm. the, the beard bet, and, you know, since I am the... Uh, the true beard, true beard. The, the true beard. I, I, I have to keep it. Otherwise, he's going to be no beard. If he's no, no beard. beard next episode, uh, you know how it went. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's awesome. That'll be his new nickname, even uh, if it grows back. Man, no beard. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm cranking away. I have a, a new passion, and I should have a thousand points. So hopefully, uh, if I feel up to it, uh, I may join in the. Uh, the thousand point Vanguard, Vanguard tournament. tournament Thursday. Yeah, cool. Um, that's the one I'm not signed up for. So that's the one I'm not sure. I, I'm not positive I can get down there on Thursday. So that's why I didn't sign up for it. Is is really I, I need to figure out work stuff, and that's really the the main reason I didn't sign up for it ahead of time. Where there's a will, there's a way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Where there's a will, sometimes there's a Smith. <laughs> well, well, on that, um, Tyson, what are you playing? Yeah, uh, signed up for the team tournament on Friday that runs all day Friday. Um, two separate thousand point lists. Um, hopefully, my brother and his uh, Iron Jaws will be teaming up with my Beast Claw Raiders and Savage Orcs to have the perfect mix of uh, mixed destruction to smash three or four opponents. However many games it is, we get in off sounds, the table. Sounds so nasty. Yeah, if, if we were better players, I think we'd be in the in the mix. But I, I hope we just go like two and two or two and one, win a game or two would be fun. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, I'm in the Age of Sigmar Grand Tournament. I'll be one of 120 players banging it out for accolades and awesome. Hopefully not being winless again. It'll be fun either way. And I want to top my paint score from last year. There you go. That's my goal. Top my paint score, win a game, and have have more fun. Make some new connections. Um, play against, hopefully not against Tyler Mengel and his dual Morgul list. Tomb <laughs> <laughs> um, Kings are so filthy right now uh, also. But um, anyways, meet some new guys. Just roll some dice, hang out, drink probably a lot of beer 
and uh, maybe our favorite bartender. We didn't mention her, Maria, <laughs> will be there. Uh, that was the old place. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> the, the bar uh, will probably be a cooler that is brought in with my minis. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So Adepticon, March 23rd through 26th. Um, other events coming up Nexus Game Fair, uh, May. Memorial Day weekend. Yes, yeah, so it's also the best the way to think about it. End of May. Uh, I think it's the twenty fourth through the twenty sixth, maybe something yeah. like that. Memorial Day, Day weekend. weekend. Yeah, <laughs> yep. downtown Milwaukee, um, and then obviously summer. The the basement of death and us from Planet Slam will be representing at fiftieth uh, anniversary at Gen Con. Yep, um, and um, we'll save our stories of hotels. But the good news is we some people have a hotel room. We have secured housing. We'll, we'll be there. Yep. <laughs> so uh, let's keep the dice rolling. The drink's on ice. And no matter what, guys, keep playing and slaying. <laughs> we, we, we happily describe him as the man without nouns because he'll say to me things like hey Brian remember the time with the thing and the guy and the other guy <laughs> so, actually Mike I, you've used no words there but I somehow know exactly what you mean you know like you, we're speaking some language <laughs> so, hey let's go down and have a couple of two tree beers Oh man! A couple two tree. The best part about the story is he's married to a speech pathologist, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll say to him, "She'll say, Michael, how many beers are you going to have tonight? You know, uh, how many is a couple of two tree? <laughs> could be two. It could be twenty-seven. Yeah, it's like six. Least, right? Yeah, two two times three. three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A couple of those. A couple <laughs> of the two trees. So, yeah. Jesus. Then we're drunk. <laughs> <laughs>